So the other week we watched the Scooby Doo, starring starring uh, the Matthew Lillard and that dog, whatever that dog's name is. Yeah, and so then we watched Scooby Doo too. Starring also Matthew Lillard, but I think they replaced the dog. It seems like they replaced the dog. Like this dog more. Um, this thing came out in... 2004, I believe. Took him two years. According to this, 2204, but yeah. Yeah. Here's some, here's some mail for you. Oh, okay. Uh, before I open it, I will say Monsters Unleashed. Do you feel like Monsters got unleashed in this film? Oh, definitely, yeah. Then it, it delivered. Titled, yeah. yeah, it delivers on its title. Um, you got any fun facts about this thing or anything like that? Scooby-Doo 2? Yeah. Uh, in the opening credits, some guy's name is Richard Suckle, which means his name is Dick Suckle. That's very funny. That's all I got. Also, the other movie we watched, uh, spoilers, better. Uh, yeah. It yeah. 20 year anniversary. Happened like yesterday or something like that. Yeah. So. So we were ahead of the curve. Yeah. Is it curve or curb? I think we just might be streets ahead. Okay. Anyways, I'm going to open this thing up. I don't know why. I really want one of these to be just soaking wet one day. <laughs> if we ever watch a movie like Waterworld or something like that, I want it to just be soaking wet. Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. Dooby-Doo. The dog looks better. 2 out of 10. Uh, what did you give the other movie? Did you also give it a 2 out of 10? It's ahead of the curve. Okay. Um... I think I gave it an F. I don't remember what the other letter says. Okay. Uh, yeah, this movie is... Bad. Somehow worse. Yes. I would be lying if I said I didn't expect it to be better. Oh, you were convinced. You were like, oh, we gotta watch it. It's yeah. gonna be fun. I know it. Yeah. And so it wrong. It was boring. Is there anything to say about this thing? Um, their hideout sucks. Fred's hair sucks. Uh-huh. Dog looks good. Did Everything we, else sucks. Did it get a laugh? No, I didn't. I didn't laugh at any of this movie. I would be lying if I said I didn't laugh when Peter Boyle is being followed by Shaggy and Scooby in the bushes, and he turns around and goes, "Bushes yowling at me again." I was pissing around my phone because I was doing anything I could during this <laughs> ninety minutes to not be watching this movie. Yeah. So um, I will also say this. Um. Sorry. I didn't want to even really talk about it, kind of, because I was like, this is punching down. This uh, this feels yeah. like a really mean thing to say, and I don't mean it with any venom. This just legitimately barely counts. As so. a movie? Yeah. Yeah. So, it's an F, obviously. I, yeah. It's, yeah, no, it's definitely, it's it's unfortunately one of those kids' movies where they're like, ah, it's for kids, who cares? Yeah. Which is bad. Kids it deserve bad. better. Kids do deserve better. <laughs> Eating Soup Alone is a podcast hosted by me, Christopher Kremlin, and co-hosted by Nicholas Johnson. We try our best to ramble incoherently about a handful of movies at least once a week. Do you have something burning in your little heart? I don't know. I'll have to check my heart's notes. Uh, I'm tired of seeing Tom Cruise. Yeah. I don't got much more to that. You don't like him? Just don't like him anymore. Yeah? Anymore? I like I liked Mission Impossible. Uh-huh. Haven't seen the rest of them. 
just tired of seeing him. Yeah. People are always like, oh, he's the last big movie star. I get that. Mm-hmm. He's in the new Top Gun. He's in all the new Mission Impossibles. And he's 60 goddamn years old. Yeah. And I get it. I get what Tom has has, has selling. I'm not buying it anymore. What a mixed bag that man is. Yeah. Because you get all the Scientology stuff. But then if you just compartmentalize that for a moment, which is very hard for some folk. Uh, I saw the Ghost Protocol where he's hanging off like the tallest building in the world for real and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I get what you're saying about the last uh, great uh, action star or whatever. But it falters for me a little bit because it's one of those things where like... Uh, Maybe this will come with time, but you just hear people say something like, oh, he's a real Humphrey Bogart or like, uh, you know, that kind of a thing where like you got that, like, uh, oh, he's like a John Wayne, you know, but yeah. like, would someone say that about someone about being Tom Cruise? I don't think so. Cause he's very like white, white toast to me. Yeah. And a lot comes with, oh, he's just like Tom Cruise. Cause like you said, the Scientology and stuff like that, uh-huh. I think that's hard to com- compartmentalize and, uh, uh-huh. Him just being a, a wacky person in general. Like, if you, like you listen to interviews. The couch thing. Not even that. Just It's just, like, interviews where you listen to him talk and stuff like that. And he's obviously just not not a completely sane guy. Mm-hmm. I hear... I, I think Christian Bale based his performance as Patrick Bateman off of an interaction with Tom Cruise. Yeah. I think yeah. Christian Bale went so far as to say just dead behind the eyes. Is yeah. how he described his interaction with Tom Cruise. Um... You know who else? Scientology? A lot, but who? Beck grew up. Really? In the, in the, in the show. Yeah, it's like folks were Scientologists. Hmm. I got to find out what all the hubbub's about. I'd like to, yeah. I'll go to a sermon? A mass? What do they have? Gathering? Sure. That might be exclusive to Juggalos. Do you think there's a Scientology place around us? Um, I, I guarantee it almost. I'm going to Google it real quick. Do it. Scientology. There's a church of, uh, <clears throat> there's a church of Scientology right in Michigan. They're right in Detroit. Mm, sounds about right. I think they might have just opened, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. It's down on Griswold. Hmm. So you're saying we're going to pay him a visit? Hey, we just came on down to see what all the hubbub's about. I'm sure they'd be into that, yeah. You think so? It looks nice. I hear you need cash money to get involved. This place does look like you need... None of this looks like a church. Yeah. It looks like a cafe and a library. This part looks like a church, but... Yeah, this might be too rich for our blood. Do they actively recruit? I don't know. I know that the uh, people of the Jewish faith do not. That's kind of a baller move. That's something I don't like about other denominations, Mm -hmm. is the recruiting process. And that makes Judaism seem a little more lucrative because you're like, well you, well, you guys aren't even trying to sell what you got. You know what I mean? Like, you're just holding on to it. You know what I'm saying? Sorry, I'm just lost in these reviews. <laughs> First review, one star, crock of shite. <laughs> these people are money hungry. They want you to buy books instead of give them for free, instead of give them out for free. That guy's just mad he couldn't get the books for free. <laughs> yeah. If you truly want to change mankind and free our, our, our thetans... Make this free. <laughs> Give me the books. I, I like the idea that there are people uh, uh, campaigning for reform inside of the Scientology. Yeah. The Church of Scientology. Um, when was Scientology founded? That's a great question. I think like 1998 or something like that. Look it up real quick. I think it might be like in the 60s or 70s. 
Oh my god, so many paragraphs. I just want a number. <laughs> <clears throat> the Church of Scientology was founded December 1953. Wow. That's yeah. a lot earlier than I thought. And obviously a lot earlier than you thought. That's about four years earlier than you thought. That's crazy. I mean, uh, that's just... I can't imagine, like, in 1950, anybody buying that. You know what I mean? Like, people were freaking out that JFK was, like, the first Catholic president. Yeah. You know? And then there's someone out there who's like, yeah, the Scientology thing tracks. I'm into this. Yeah. I think Tom Cruise did a lot for their numbers. You think so? He had to have. Okay. Also, he looks great, so there's got to be something to it, right? Or maybe he's just rich. Interesting. Rich people always look good. I mean, rich, famous people always look good. Interesting. Interesting. So you're saying maybe they do got some secrets? Oh, they. Oh no, let's get everything straight. They have secrets, no matter <laughs> I what. I meant specific secrets. Good secrets. About not not aging? Yeah. 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 They make you poop every day, and it keeps you young. For real? Isn't that what uh, told me Kim Kardashian said or whatever? Yeah, I did read uh, an excerpt from an interview she had done very recently where she said, Honestly, if you told me that uh, all I had to do was eat a little bit of poop each day to like continue to look young forever kind of a thing, I would probably go ahead and do it. Maybe that's her trying to get into Scientology. Maybe. Maybe. Anyway, Tom Cruise is old news in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I hear Top Gun Mavericks are really good. Uh-huh. I'll never see it. No? I'll never see Top Gun 1. No? I just got no interest. Okay. Like people are like, yeah, it's just fun. But like when I look at it, I'm like, that's not fun that I want to have. <laughs> so... Keep it away from me. I'm going to stay home, guys. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm going to try to do my best here. This is a segue. Scientology is about 30 years older than one of the best horror films of all time, which we watched the other day. Uh, we watched The Shining. We really did. Yeah. Yeah. You've seen The Shining? I sure have. Couple times. Couple times. When was the first time you saw The Shining? Um, well, do I do mail first? Oh, that's yeah. traditionally how it goes, Chris. <laughs> Off the rails. Like you don't even listen to the show. We do mail. I go, Chris, what's your experience with this movie? All right, let's see. I'm not going to read all of these, but this is pretty much what I expected. Is a sheet of paper that says, All work and no play makes Scooby Doo a dooby doo. A lot. And then it says 10 out of 10. Very so good. So, Chris, what's your experience with The Shining? Ugh, me first. Um, I can go first if you'd like. Hey, Nick, what's your experience with The Shining? Well, I'm glad you asked, Chris. I, yeah. Uh, it's a movie I've been... Uh, it's a movie, of course, everybody knows about. Everybody's known about it. Yeah, this ain't a secret. This ain't no secret. This ain't Scientology, baby. This is The Shining. Uh, a lot but of people are convinced there's a lot of secrets there's a lot hidden of secrets in there. In it, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it's just something, one of those movies I've been meaning to get to for forever, and you're always like, yeah, you gotta watch The Shining. Yeah, you gotta watch The Shining. Yeah. And then, I remember where you were, where you were going. You were going to watch your grandmother's house, I believe. Okay. Remember that's first that time I saw it? Rest in peace, Grandma. Rest in peace, Grandma. And you were leaving, and I was like, ah, I'm gonna start watching The Shining. And you're like, cool, let me know how it goes. And I texted you at one point, and I said... Uh, Chris, I'm 45 in this movie. Chris, I'm 45 minutes into this movie, and I think this is my favorite movie. Yeah. Um, and then I unfortunately fell asleep like 20 minutes to the end. 
Okay. Because I started it so late. And the first thing I did when I woke up, I was like, oh, God, I washed my face and I ran out to the living room and I finished the, <laughs> the rest of The Shining. Um, oh, it is good. Yeah. Chris, I know it's not a... I, this whole episode is going to be nothing new, but... Mm-hmm. Oh, this movie's good, Chris. How many times have you seen it now? Three. Three? Yeah. Okay. That first time I finished it, yeah. I went throughout my day and was just thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. Did my chores, what I had to do for the day, and then yeah. I just immediately watched it again. Oh. Yeah. Run it back. Yeah. yeah. I mean, today, uh, yesterday. It's the third time I've seen it. You so. don't have to spill your beans right now, but you got secrets? Like in general or about The Shining? Uh, how about both? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I got some stuff you don't know about. Okay. I got some stuff cooking in here. Interesting, interesting. Chris, what's your experience with The Shining? Uh, my experience with The Shining is uh, shit. I mean, I saw it when I first uh, was like, you know, like, hey, yeah, movies are pretty good, you know? I gotta find all these good movies and see them, you know? And, um, yeah, I don't know how to describe it other than I've seen it uh, countless times since, and it's... Uh, I mean, perhaps a corny thing to say, but it just casts a fucking spell every time. Every time I'm like, it almost it always feels like I'm watching it for the first time. Yeah, it's it's something that you said when I was watching it for the first time that has stuck with me, and I feel it uh, the other two times I've seen it too, and you put yeah. it perfectly. It just puts you in a trance. Yeah. Like you're just a little like almost dizzy while watching it. Yeah. yeah. It was interesting watching it with you the other day because I feel like primarily I've seen this movie alone. I think it's better alone. It's a honest. lot better alone. Yeah. So, I mean, I was doing a lot of talking throughout and stuff like you that. You sure were. I sure was. Um, but yeah, th- yeah, that's that's one of the, the, the most interesting uh, qualities. It's, it's like... Um, yeah, surreal and dreamlike, and time just kind of slips away when you're watching that. Uh, watching it, um, obviously, uh, this is a movie based on a Stephen King book. I've read one, Salem's Lot. Is there anything like this? Uh, they all take place in the same universe. Yeah, I think we've talked about Salem's Lot very briefly when we watched the Salem's Lot movie. But just to reiterate, real quick, uh, it's a mixed bag. I absolutely love. The half that has to do with the town. The supernatural stuff is pretty good. But it's this sort of weird mix of, like, grown adults doing Stranger Things slash Goonies type shit. Okay. That is just weird. You know what I mean? And we watched the movie, and I thought, hmm, perhaps if they make these characters much younger, uh, this will be a little more, it'll track a little better with like my just cultural sensibilities about like at what age you should be running around hunting vampires and you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but no, they're old as fuck in the movie. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so anyway, Salem's Lot, pretty good book. I actually genuinely have been thinking about it a lot lately. Yeah. I'm thinking about reading it again. Um, I would say I liked it, but like I said, just a mixed bag thing. Um, this movie is not like a Stephen King book, really except for the fact that the main character is a writer. That's a staple. But in the Stephen King books, um, I don't mean this in any way. Stephen King um, is 
not bad at like writing the main character to uh, you know be like you know, have some like dimensions and flaws. But there's also just that degree to which I'm basing this entirely off of Salem's Lot. You know what I mean? Like he just like strolls into the park and he meets that girl and she's like, oh my god, I'm your biggest fan. He's like, yeah, but we're gonna date then. You know, like yeah, things are just a little smooth for him. It seems like. One of the first things I want to bring up, we'll go back to it later, but, like, Jack Nicholson, just a pile of shit, loser, failure at everything. Yeah. Yeah. You just uh, hit him right off the bat. Alcoholic. Used to be a teacher. There's no in- indication of whether he was good or bad at that. Wants to be a writer now, obviously, is incapable of actually writing. Uh, Pulling some arm, his son's arm off. Yeah, not a great father. Not a great uh, husband. Um, he's given this opportunity to care for the Overlook. As you pointed out, he does no caring for it. Uh, the wife does the whole time. Um, and then even as a murderer, he fucks up. Throughout this whole movie, there's nothing that he does successfully. Yeah. Everything that he's ever done, he's always a failure. You know what I mean? And that's also a super interesting thing. This is a very scary and unnerving movie. And even Jack Nicholson himself is scary. Only really kills one guy. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, one guy does in this movie. Yeah. I think about that. Doesn't really achieve much and i think that's what ends up making him sympathetic as well is because he's a failure and because so much of the spooky shit's happening specifically to him you know what i mean yeah because he does end up being a bit sympathetic like you don't totally hate him or like think he's an absolute monster but then you do at the same time whatever getting a little off topic but in short this film is not much like a stephen king novel and i think that's justified and supported by the fact that stephen king also hated it for a while i think now he appreciates it for what it is does he yeah, oh. he's turned. He's just turned a new leaf a bit. Well, good for him. Just in the sense that he's like, I can appreciate it for what it is, which is a bold thing to say about Kubrick. But I guess I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of a tricky sitch. I mean, like, imagine you wrote something, Kubrick did it, and you felt like you fucked it up, and you were just blinded to like the genius that he ended up. I you know. I think it's a very uh, like I guess I get it from King's perspective. For someone to take your thing and make it their thing. And to be like, oh, it's all flash and no substance. Blah, 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 this and that. But also, um, it reminds me of... Um, recently, I was reading some stuff about the end of the second season of Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Where David Lynch came back for that last episode. And there's a lot of that episode that was written that did not make it into a David Lynch changed a lot of it. Yeah. And people are like, oh, it was, it was, that was a big deal. Like people, like the people who wrote it, like Mark Frost and those other two losers who did season two were upset about it. And I read an interview with Mark Frost where he was like, no, if you give something to David Lynch and he goes, cool, I'm going to do some stuff with this. Yeah. You let David Lynch do some stuff with it because that's (laughs) what he does. You want to see David Lynch do that. And I feel like if Stanley Kubrick is adapting your work and he wants to make a Stanley Kubrick movie out of it. Yeah. Awesome. All the power to you. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of his movies are obviously critically acclaimed now. And I think even at the time, for the most part, some of them were. I think some of them were not received great in the beginning, but then it went on to be great. Uh, I wonder what the general perception was up until like 1980. That's a great question. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if it was like, you know, maybe comparable to like the uh, Mr. Eggman who does like the witch thing where everybody's like oh this is a guy's a genius but like nobody really talks about it a bunch it's not like he's like being thrown any amount of money he wants kind of a thing or i wonder if it was like a christopher nolan type thing or what i'm just curious something what? i'm ignorant to i wonder what if... is mr eggman what is his name like kieran eggers or something or robert eggers or roger eggers oh okay <laughs> oh yeah no you really threw me for a loop there i was <laughs> so confused but anyways um 
And also another thing, I mean, before we get into the movie too much, it's also really neat, like, uh, it's kind of like Philip Seymour Hoffman working on a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, like to have Stanley Kubrick and then Jack Nicholson is working for him. Like, Mm -hmm. that's a dream. Yeah. That's a dream combo. You know what I mean? A dream match, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I think Shelley Duvall is. Yes, also this too. for sure. Yes, Shelley yeah. Duvall. I just don't know that she ever reached like the star status that like it would be one of those things where it's like, you know, like oh man, I can't believe Shelley Duvall is working with. I don't know. I can't think of another director right now, but like uh, I, Francis Ford Coppola. I think it's because this movie, specifically Stanley Kubrick, destroyed her during this movie. Mm. Um, like I've read some stuff here and there. Yeah, I've that, read some stuff. Yeah, he treated her just horribly and yeah. just. Um, Really she seemed pretty s- mentally distraught in that little documentary we were watching afterwards. Yes, it's a big bummer because um, I like Steve- Shelley Duvall a lot. Yeah, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm upset about it. I know she has um, some mental disorders and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know what that has to do with this movie or if anything from this movie did that to her. Just just in general, I know uh, she was treated just yeah. inhumanely during this yeah. movie. Like um, great performance. Yeah, I think it's a great performance, but also I think it's a great performance because that was actually, Stanley (laughs) Kubrick was actually doing that to her. Yeah. So it sucks because I want to give her, I want to give her flowers. I want to be like, great job, you're amazing in this movie, but also at the same time, I feel weird because at the same time, I might be like, oh, you might just be being driven insane in front of a camera. Like I, I was reading just very quickly, like she would go home after takes and her hands would be raw and like cut up and stuff like that from holding that bat so long and all the takes it made her do and she'd be crying for so long that she'd be dehydrated when she went home and stuff like that and also and apparently like Stanley Kubrick and Jack Nicholson just didn't really talk he was Mm. just like yeah just do your thing Jack yeah yeah very interesting also her performance like I said that stuff very sad but just talking about what I see on screen the whole time I kept thinking a perfect fit both of them, yeah. I couldn't see anybody else playing that role because she has this perfect thing where, like, I just, like, sympathize with her so much. Yeah. She doesn't deserve any of that yeah. shit before they even get to the hotel. Yeah. Jack Nicholson is a dick to her. Horrible husband. Mr. Yeah. Jack Torrance. She doesn't deserve that, man. Yeah. She's so nice. I love all the scenes with her and Danny. Yeah, she's like a sweetheart. Danny, she seems like a great mother. She seems like a great woman. Perfect, yeah. great heart, you know? Yeah. Very just, honest and open with everybody. I absolutely love that scene at the beginning of her and Danny at the table. Yeah. I don't think Danny's the best actor, child actor I've ever seen. I think he fits well, though. But he fits pretty well. Mm. Uh, but I love when they're at the table talking. I understand so-and-so. And then he goes, does the thing with his finger, Tony. And he goes, yeah. I don't want to go or yeah. whatever. And she just goes, well, why not, Tony? Like, she's not like, oh, God, my son's crazy. And that's not part of the movie. She's just like, okay, yeah, this, this is part of our lives. And yeah. The, this, this is, is my, my son, son is. and yeah. I love him. And I'll play along with his imaginary friend. It's great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I think she knocks it out of the park. And I think his, like, uh, general, the kid, like, that just, like, dege- de- like dejected, kind of, like, yes. despondent thing, like, works very well. I love uh, whatever they cut to him and he's just sitting somewhere with his eyes as open as eyes can be. Yeah. Yeah, he's very he's very startling to look at. at Why times. do you want to go, Tony? It just don't. It's good stuff. I love the Tony stuff. Yeah. It's so weird. I love when he's talking to the doctor at the beginning. She's like, does Tony ever tell you to do anything? And he just goes, I don't want to talk about Tony anymore. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a good scene. Very unsettling. Yeah. 
Uh, and on the topic of unsettling, I'm sure we're going to harp on it a million times because this movie is very unsettling. Everything that's unsettling about this stuff is unsettling in like the least cheesy way possible. Yeah. Perhaps the most cheesy thing is the two twin little girls, but just because at Works. this point, like, uh, that's just kind of been done to death. But I, I mean, at this point, like, just yeah. so many people have done the creepy little girl thing, the creepy little girl thing, the creepy little girl thing. Um, it was my biggest thing when I saw this movie at first I, it was one of those it was like back to the future where i didn't want to watch it because i'd seen it through osmosis just through culture yeah like i get what that movie is i yeah. don't really need to see it and i don't really want to see it and watching this it is uh nothing like i thought it would be mm-hmm. like I, have a, I don't remember what it is but i have a very clear memory of another movie where the characters are at a drive-in movie theater and they're watching the shining okay and people are in their seats watching it, like jumping and going, ah, like they're scared and stuff like that. And like, I remember my mom saying something along the, li- along the lines of this movie. And it's just not. Mm-hmm. None of this movie is in a way scary. Mm-hmm. It's just spooky. Very it's spooky. Very unsettling. unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I love the way that the movie like ramps up because it's like sprinkled throughout the beginning for sure. Like the Tony stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But then there's just that point where like a almost like something like um, and this is more a compliment to the uh, conjuring rather than like me, you know, kind of like comparing the two. Mm-hmm. Obviously, The Shining does it way better. But like in The Conjuring, there's like a clear point where like from now on shit has hit the fan. It's just yeah. going crazy. And The Shining has that, too. It's the point where Jack Torrance has that nightmare sitting on the table. And then uh, Wendy's trying to comfort him. I think your name's Wendy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, Wendy's trying to comfort him and uh, he's like oh my god Wendy it was it was horrible I had a dream that I I killed you and Dandy but I didn't just kill you I, I chopped you up into little bits you know that kind of a thing yeah and then Danny comes into frame as you know Wendy's trying to comfort him and Danny's clearly you can see from behind that his shirt's like kind of ripped or whatever and she runs over to him and she's like oh my god what happened and he's like comatose won't talk and then she just immediately assumes that Jack did it, yada, yada, yada. And then just from there, like, you know, then he goes up into the bar. And then Wendy comes back in, and she's like, there's a woman in there. And then he goes in there, and that happens. And, uh, yeah, it's just kind of balls to the wall from that point on. You know what I mean? Um, I absolutely love – yeah, you're correct. Um, it is that one point, and then it goes balls to the wall. But I love um, how kind of – not kind of, but how slowly it ramps up, and then mm. it gets to that point. I love the um, the title cards mm-hmm. when time passes or they're telling you what's happening, like when something's happening. Mm-hmm. I, I think it starts with the interview. Yeah. And then it goes to like closing day. And then it's like one month later. And then it's like Tuesday. Then it's Thursday. And it's Saturday. Mm-hmm. But then it's Sunday and then it's Monday. I think there's less that I'm saying, but yeah. it goes like from day to day and then it goes noon mm-hmm. one o'clock three o'clock like mm-hmm. it's just getting faster and faster mm-hmm. things are getting crazier and crazier yeah it's great i love it yeah uh this movie is also like i, I would almost compare it to something like the witch where or, or like the blair witch project where like part of it that's so unsettling or for like a better term um or ease of use like scary is just the isolation yeah and like the whole thing builds that sense of isolation you start off with those like the score phenomenal out of this world oh, yeah. so good um you start with you know just the blum, 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 as it's just slowly panning over like just vast scapes yeah of just nothingness for a long time it's ty- so impressive to watch because oh yeah there's no 
You know, it's 1980. There ain't no drones. Yeah. You know, that's a big-ass helicopter with a yeah. camera strapped to the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Love it. That just goes on for a while. Going down the road. Uh, you get introduced to the hotel, and there's a lot of people there, for sure. Um, but then you cut back to Danny and... and, and, and um, and Wendy and um, they are alone. Yeah, in their small little house, They're just kind of watching TV. A woman comes after Danny, like collapses or whatever. But other than that, um, you know, Wendy interacts with that character, and then what else? Uh, Scatman Crothers. Other than Jack. In the, I mean, the manager of the hotel, I guess. Oh yeah, when they come in bit, on the first yeah. day, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, from that point on, once they get to the hotel, also just nobody else there. You know what I mean? It's like well, yeah. so much of this movie is just them. And I feel like through all those like shots, like even the shots of the hotel in the beginning, but when they're they're first coming there and just at the hotel there, and you also get a pretty wide shot where you can just see the mountains and stuff like that. And they do a really great job of just imprinting on you, like just this like, or even just with little dialogue, like Scatman saying so and Wendy saying so and Jack saying so. I think at one point, like, uh, oh yeah, it was about a five hour drive. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, damn, like, how far are they away from... Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, when Scam, at the end, when Scamman Crothers gets the snowcat or whatever to go up there or whatever, uh, I don't know if he actually says how long it's going to take him to get up there in the snowcat. I think he tells the mechanic how long it's going to take him to get to the mechanic. I think it's five hours yeah. from the airport, yeah. Yeah, but I don't I don't know if he specifies how much it's gonna, how long it's going to take him to get, like, up there with the snowcat. But anyways, it, it, it leaves you feeling like they're quite far away from anybody else. Um, Can't lie, though. I'd love to do it. Yeah. Well, because there is uh, also, uh, you know, like that Dawn of the Dead aspect of it, uh, where it's like, you know, in that movie, it's like, uh, oh, we're holed up again, uh, you know, uh, to fend off the zombie horde in a mall. But then the other part is like, I'm fucking like in a mall. Like, yeah. Locked up in a mall. I can go to the arcade. I can wear fur coats. I can yeah. get hammered, you know? Where I see little Danny riding his big wheel around this hotel. I'm like, God, I want to do that so bad. <laughs> Even when I see Jack uh, Jack Torrance go into the kitchen, he's losing his mind, and he's losing his mind, but he's knocking over all the pants and stuff like that. I'm like, man, I could just be knocking over pants. No one could stop me. Yeah. I, cl- I gotta clean it up later, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, even, um, you know, him setting up his, his, his writing room in, like, that big main hall thing. <laughs> yeah. And he's in there just throwing the ball against the wall, yeah. and it's crazy loud. Just, yeah, that's great. Yeah. I, would, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do it alone. We talked about this yeah. last night. If I had some company, like mm-hmm. a person or two, yeah. I'd definitely go up there and do that. Yeah, because just to talk about that for a quick moment, that is unsettling. I, I know for a fact that a lot of people are afraid of that 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 idea that someone could be living in your own home without you knowing it. Mm-hmm. You know, once you live in something that size, like, it would be so unsettling for me. I'd get over it for the most part. Sometimes it would creep into my mind. But, like, just how big the hotel is, there's nobody else in the hotel. But there could be someone else in there, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't know. Yeah, like it's 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 legitimately very scary. Yeah, like you get that insane scene of um, him at the bar. Yeah, talking to the bar- bartender, and then she runs in and goes, "There's somebody else in the hotel." Yeah, so and scary. it reminds me of like what you're talking about with like uh, the Blair Witch Project, where you're talking about how like if this were me and my friends in the woods, I'd be losing my mind, kind of a thing. Like in that moment, if I was tasked with caring for the hotel and my wife comes in frantic and says there's someone else in the hotel with that much like conviction mm-hmm. my pants are full of shit oh yeah i love also we're gonna talk about this a million times but jack nicholson's delivery she says she's like oh my god danny there was a man in the room and she was the one that did that danny and you gotta go in there and look and he's just like 
what the fuck are you talking about? It's so good. <laughs> like, it's it's maybe my favorite. No, it's not. But it's one of my favorite parts of the movie. It's just Jack Nicholson's yeah. delivery on so many things. Yeah. Like, for example, one that I know you really liked is uh, she wakes him up in the morning or whatever. She made him breakfast. And uh, he's like, oh, God, what time is it? And she's like, oh, it's like 1130. He's like, oh, man, you know. She's like, yeah, we're having, like, late nights. And, again, that's just a nice little moment. Uh, serves no real purpose other than, like, I don't know, you're just, yeah, I mean, if you were for five months with your wife and kid, keep an eye on the hotel, you could go to bed whenever you wanted to. Yeah. And of course they're starting to stay up a little late or whatever, and they're sleeping in and shit like that. She's like, yeah, I brought breakfast up, you know, and then she's like, any ideas, honey, or whatever? And he's like, oh, no good ones or whatever. And she's like, well, that's all right. You just got to get back in the habit of writing it uh, every day. That's all it is. And he goes, that's all it is. And like, there's just like a way that Jack Nicholson has of like delivering words that like... Even though he's not specifically saying something mean, it feels like a put down. I know he means it to be. Yeah. And specifically like, in that situation, but almost anything he says sounds condescending. It's like it's so it's it's so for the most part not. And then there's just that little twinge of it yeah. underneath it, which makes it feel like he is trying with all of his might to not explode at her yeah. or anyone he's talking to. Yeah. And he's trying so hard. But you can only push it so far, so it's just that little tail on the end of the sentence. Yeah. It's so good. It reminds me of something I, I heard someone say about Gene Wilder and Young Frankenstein, where they were like, they were like exactly what you're saying, like where it's, it's, his character always seems like he's just one inch away from going over the edge and like just losing his yeah. shit. And yeah, that's, I mean, Jack Nicholson has that times ten. Like there's every interaction, it seems like I'm just intimidated. Like I, I wouldn't be able to have a conversation with them. I feel like because the whole time I'd be like, is this? It's, are you about to be mean to me? Are you about to be really mean to me? <laughs> You're already being mean to me, but are you about to be really, about to be mean, really to me? mean? Because <laughs> even from the, the jump, like just every time, he's like, it's just, go ahead. Um, I, I, I do love the scene when Danny comes to get him. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be asleep. Danny walks to the room, he's just sitting upright in bed, and he looks at him. And he's like, come here. And he sits him down on his chest, and he... He hugs him and he like puts his head against his head and stuff like that. And it's a very scary scene, very very creepy. And he's just clearly not all there anymore. And I can't exactly remember what the conversation is either. I think Danny's like, "Do you like being at the hotel?" And he's like, "Yeah, of course I do," and stuff like that. But he's just saying some weird shit and he's just being weird. But there's just this weird underlying current of him being a good dad deep, deep, deep inside there somewhere. Where, like, whatever is happening to him in this hotel, Mm -hmm. just uh, the small part of that normal man who is a monster and a piece of shit, but who does love his son, is just kind of peeking through every now and then in that conversation. Which plays in that sympathy thing, right? Yeah. Like the bar scene where he hallucinates that he's talking to Lloyd or whatever. Um, great scene the whole time. He's like, hey, Jeezy, you know what do they call you around here? How's my credit around here? All that kind of stuff. And then he goes into that long thing about, like, how he's like, you know, my bitch of a wife thinks I heard or whatever I would never hear uh you know harm a head on his little fucking head and all that kind of shit um yeah and he just sells it so perfectly he's like I would do anything for that little fucker any fucking thing you know and you believe it you yeah, legitimately you're like you, you I believe buy it. it I buy it but I also buy like oh yeah this is definitely what a dad who it would be yes exactly hurt his son while which, hammered would say which plays exactly into like what I'm talking about like it's just like we said it last night but yeah Jack Nicholson just has is like kind of almost like the king of subtext sure it may be the same subtext all the time yeah but everything is like a double like it like you're like yeah but also 
you seem too pissed about it. What is going on? Like, yeah, he's saying a lot of anger thing, here. And another thing is happening underneath yeah. it. It's, it's great. Um, the one thing I do want to say about this movie, I feel like I always see people talk about it, and they talk about how, like, hey, it's like a mess, and there's, like, three different things going on, but, like, that's part of it. It's, like, you know, it's kind of confusing. And I get what they mean. I don't mean to totally contradict it. But also, especially this watch... I kind of felt like I was like, no, this is pretty actually like, I feel kind of cohesive. Like it, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, there's like a dream logic to it, which excuses everything or whatever. But like, yeah. I don't know, just like, cause you know, people always point out like, uh, like, uh, the, the, like, uh, I could be wrong here. I feel like sometimes people say like that there's some kind of inclination that like the land itself is like an Indian burial ground or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember that ever coming up in the movie specifically. Uh, no, there's, it's like. Is it one of those like subtext things that you're supposed to like look for context clues yes, for? Yes, there's like a lot of um, like Native American imagery and stuff. Yes, yeah. and like cans of like chewing tobacco with like a, a Native American mm-hmm. on the side of it and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a documentary I remember seeing. I saw it before I saw The Shining. I watched it when I was like 13 or something yeah. like that. Called Room 237. There's a bunch of people talking about like what The Shining could mean. Yeah. It's a piece of shit. I don't recommend watching it. <laughs> but um, it was just full of stuff like that and like. Oh, if you pause it here, when the the twins first show up, you can see there's a poster in the background behind them of a man climbing a summit. But if you look at it this way, that's a minotaur. And the minotaur, it's like, no, no. A little too far. It's a dude sitting, standing on some skis. Yeah, I know people are always like, is it ghosts or is he going insane? And it's like almost one of those things where it's like they all kind of blend into each other. Like, yeah. And nothing is the one thing kind of a thing. And you can't really tell between any of them. But they all blend together like seamlessly in like this like fever dreamy way where like you feel like you're going down the rabbit hole too. Like you're going insane kind of. Um, yeah, you've got the Danny and his ability to shine and Scatman Crothers' ability to sc- shine. And he gives that great exposition so a bit. Good. Yeah, it's so great. I love that he calls him Doc. Yeah. That scene is phenomenal. Scatman Crothers does an amazing job in this film. Like he's like, how about you get we get you some ice cream, Doc? Wouldn't you like that, or whatever? And then Shelly's like, well, why do you why do you call him the Doc? We call him Doc. How would you even know that? And he was like, ah, I must have heard you guys say it. And she's like, no, nah, I don't think we've said it since we've been around. And he's like, well, anyways, and they go on or whatever. Yeah. Um. And then when they're sitting down, they have that great conversation where he's talking about the shining thing, and then he's like, I don't want to talk about that. And he's like, well, why wouldn't you want to talk about it? And it's a great question. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um. I would say that's one of the things that's like the most like I'm just gonna flat out say it. This thing reminds me, this is probably the closest bit of media to the kind of like surreal dream logic y thing that I get from like Twin Peaks and Thank love you. the most. Yep. Um it's just like okay, so he shines, right? And Correct. so does Scrapman Co- Scrapman Colors. So this is logically something that's just accepted in the world that this happens inside of the world of this book. But what the fuck is Tony? Because even Scatman yeah. Cover Crothers yeah. is like who's Tony? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I. What it's, the fuck is Tony? It's something. It's something I love so much about this movie that gets me. Is they're having that conversation and it's great. Like you're saying with the shining and stuff like that. And he's telling him about the hotel. He's like, some things. Yes, leave, this like, is a the residue. part I was leading up to. Yeah, the residue thing. And like the. Which is the bit of ghost that I can buy into in real life is just that thing where like I don't. Know, I just feel like. This is ridiculous and obviously probably for the most part untrue. But just that thing where like you know people are always like oh some bad shit happened here. And that's kind of like why you can feel the bad vibes in a place or whatever. whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Well, all I'm saying is like, I, I, this is me also putting in the context of like, I feel like everything spooky in this movie just ends up landing like right smack dab in the middle of things that I'm like, none of this is jumping the shark. All of this seems like genuinely yeah. spooky. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, and I, it's, it's because 
exactly what you're saying. It leaves a residue, whatever, and those who can shine can see it. Yeah. I was like, cool, I get this. This, yeah. this is spooky. It's tracks. I get well, it. I like it. What is Tony? <laughs> or, okay. Like, even him saying, before you say, oh, okay, when he's like, uh, when she's like, oh, who's Tony? The the woman in the beginning. And yeah. he's like, oh, that's a little boy that hides in my mouth. <laughs> and she's like, okay, if I go, if I love that she says, because it's like almost dream logically. I like, I know she would, but like, also, why would she? She was like, if you open your mouth right now, could I see him? It's a weird thing to say it is. Yeah. And then she's like, he's like, Mm-mm, no, because he goes down and hides in my stomach. And I'm like, what does that mean? Danny, what is this? <laughs> but like it tracks even to, okay, I get it. He's being corrupted by the spooky spirits of the hotel. Sure. And he's in this in this bar and there's yeah. like a bunch of ghosts. Okay. And he's hanging out with all the ghosts. I get it. It yeah. tracks. Uh-oh. One of the ghosts is the guy that was working here before that killed yeah. his family. And he goes, you were the caretaker, right? Yeah. And then the caretaker goes, no, you are. You always have been. Yeah. You've always been here. And like, I've always been the servant or whatever. What mean? Yeah. But uh, on that same topic, like, to go back to what we were talking about in the very beginning, just the spook from the beginning, like, I just got chills thinking about it. Just, like, again, like, that seed is planted with, like, Danny being, like, uh, or Tony, rather, being, like, you know, like, him being, like, why don't you want to go to the hotel? And Tony just being, like, I just don't. Yeah. And, like, excuse me. Then it makes me think, well, what is Tony if Tony doesn't want him to go to the hotel? Yeah, Tony's got <sighs> Tony's got to be some. I don't want to put too fine of a point on it, but Tony's Tony's a spooky ghost. Yeah, and Danny can see ghosts, and it's a spooky ghost that mm-hmm. hangs out with him that just happens to know yeah. about these other spooky ghosts there. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. Like again, another scene that gives me chills is like when he's laying there talking to Tony. And Tony's like, your dad's about to call and tell your mom that he got the job. And yep. then it hard cuts to Wendy picking up the phone and be like, hey, babe. And he's like, honey, I don't think I'm going to be back until about 9 or 10. And she's like, well, it sounds like you got the job then. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just got to finish up some paperwork and stuff like that, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah, I got the job or whatever. Yeah, and uh, Scantman Carruthers tells him, or Dick Halloran, tells him that if you shine, you can sometimes see the future. And he does. You see the... the um, the elevator all the time. Yeah, you blood. See red rum all red rum all the time. Mm-hmm. But then also Tony is telling him the future. Yeah, yeah. And he uh, specifically says he's like, I don't know. Sometimes Tony shows me things, but then I can't remember most of them. Mm-hmm. You know, great. So, anyways, uh, long story short, they load up in the car, head on up there. Um, just love the visual of that yellow car going up the uh, going up the, uh, the the winding roads and stuff like that. Also, the beginning of the Evil Dead, or you know, yeah. There you go. But yeah. uh, you get my one of my favorite scenes, which is uh, when they just talk about the Donner Party yeah. for no reason. But it's great. It's a nice little flavor scene. You see them have, like, that may be the only interaction they have as a family, uh, not at the hotel. In fact, I think it is. Um, where uh, Shelley Duvall says, isn't this where the Donner Party happened or whatever? And uh, Jack's like, no, nah, I think that was farther west than the Sierras. And uh, then Danny goes, what's the Donner Party? And he goes, eh, they were a, uh, well, they were a party of people back in uh, covered wagon days. And they got snowbound and they had to uh, resort to cannibalism. And uh, I hear what happens next or whatever, but Danny goes, you mean they ate each other up? <laughs> <laughs> and Shelly says something or whatever about whatever, about like, oh, Danny or whatever. And he's like, don't worry, Mom, I saw it on TV or whatever. And then... Again, it's another example of Jack Nicholson doing that thing where, like, there's just so much, like, 
subtext to it. He's like chuckling a little bit with like a lighthearted nature of like, oh, that's cute that my kid just said that, but also a little bit of like, fuck that motherfucker's out on TV and like, oh, he just thinks that's okay. Or he's just like, yep, you hear that? He saw it on the television. It was a great scene. Love it. I love it. I also love, there's a little thing in that shot. I mean, in that scene when they're driving up. They're driving the same car that I think is described in Stephen King's book. But it's yellow instead of, in the book, it's red. And on the way up there, they pass the same car, but red, and it's broken down on the side of the road. So it's a little standard Kubrick thing, being like, hey, fuck you. This ain't your day, it's The Shining. <laughs> so anyways, they get set up at the hotel. Um, I forgot to mention the Scatman Crothers conversation that Danny goes, just out of nowhere. He's just like, what's going on in room 237? <laughs> yeah, and I he's like, that. And I love that, like, Scatman Crothers... So obviously lying to a child, he's like, nothing. Ain't nothing going on in 237, and there's no reason for you to go there. Um, spooky. And I do love that they spooky. keep it locked, too. Yeah, Yeah, I love yeah. that. I love the first time that he goes up that, like... Well, it's a hotel. I think all the doors just lock behind you, but anyway. Sure, but I do love that he tries it, and it's locked the yeah. first time. Because then later, when he goes by, and it's just fucking open, again, chills. And there's a key in the door? Yeah. Yeah, like my yeah. ear, my eyes were watering just saying that. Because that's the other thing, like, I'm sure we talked about this before, but, like most of the scary in the movie doesn't really hit you until you're thinking about it later yeah and yeah like i said like even just like okay put myself in those shoes i'm walking around the hotel right for some reason i don't shine but like i got a weird vibe for room 237 i have never been there but for some reason i was like why don't i open this this feels weird i open it it's locked can't get in who knows how long later a couple weeks later i go by and the fucking doors open with a key in it yeah that's the thing i would shit my fucking pants you walk by that door it's open you're like okay it's an old hotel. Maybe there was a gust of wind, and these locks ain't too strong. Yeah. And it just kind of blew open. But there's a fucking there's key. There's a fucking key in the door. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> so spooky. So anyways, yeah. As you said, Danny's fucking around on his little trike. Maybe he sees the twins at some point. I can't remember exactly when that happens, but love, he sees them little twins. Love the sound of the tricycle. Yeah. Just that the, those oh, big run, and plastic it hits rugs. wheels. Yeah, and it hits yeah. a rugs, and it stops, and it goes, and it stops, and it goes. Because <laughs> it's, yeah. it's somehow just like, it's what I love about the music. It's, it's just almost like, like the soundtrack. Yeah, it's droning. It's almost like a drone, yeah. the music is, but then it's not. And I just love, I'm sorry if I'm going off track to something you were going to say, but I love the music in this movie so much. Like, it starts before it's supposed to a lot of the times. Mm. Like, very big, intense music will be playing while people are walking down a hallway. Yeah. And then they'll walk into the spooky situation and the music's already going. Yeah. So you're nervous before you get there, almost like, oh, I can feel something's wrong here or feel something's mm-hmm. wrong in this hotel. And there, he gets expressed kind of with the music or even like, um, I brought it up to you while we were watching it. Is that scene where he's sitting at the typewriter and the shots from behind him and it's just a big shot of that room. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wendy is walking from the other side of the room toward us yeah. and Jack. And just the music is just going, fuck it. <laughs> and he's just smashing away on the typewriter and the shot doesn't change at all it's just on the surface a, a shot of her walking across the room towards him and then when she gets to him he rips the paper out of the typewriter and like a big violin sting happens uh-huh. and it's like on first watch it's like I don't know what that was about but it was unsettling and then you know as you watch the rest of the movie you know he's sitting there just, just typing crazy person shit and so when he rips it out and there's that big violin sting it's him like I guess kind of snapping out of it yeah the, you can make the case for the whole soundtrack sound in this way, but I'm talking especially about the second half. There's like a lot of like stringy stuff and whatnot, and just there's a general like I feel like the sound design or the soundscape that like the soundtrack 
portrays. Uh, it gives me, it reminds me a lot of like uh, some of the silent movie scorings that I've heard before. Um, that's also very spooky. I know that there's also the side by side comparison to some like black and white silent film mm -hmm. uh, where the the chopping of the door, you know, and the head coming through the, the yeah. chop of the door, also happens. That's just an observation. I have nothing deeper to say about that. Um, but you know, back to the general synopsis thing to help me keep a through line of what we have and have not talked about. Um, the so yeah, Danny's cruising around. Uh, Jack's quote unquote getting to work. Uh, you see Shelley Duvall doing all the work to maintain. Yes. Uh, which is something that uh, you, you mentioned the other day that, like, I had never really paid attention to much. But, yeah, fucking shitty. You know? What yes. a selfish guy. You know? Like, all he wants is this five months so he can work on this book. And he makes such a big deal about, like, my responsibilities. And I've signed this. And we'll talk about that, you know, a little more later or whatever. Uh, but fuck him. No, he doesn't want any of that. He doesn't actually want to take care of this fucking hotel. Yeah, he just wants that five months. Yeah. He's not thinking about like what any of that entails. He's just thinking for five months I can get paid to write a novel, you know? Also, I was thinking about it watching it this time. Um, when he's talking to the manager at the beginning of the movie, the manager tells him the caretaker before you killed his family. Or not before him, but just the one of our old caretakers killed his whole family. Um, Jack Nicholson doesn't, or Jack Torrance doesn't look super surprised. Yeah. And it could just be like a weird, ah, oh, this is just how he's playing the scene kind of thing. Right. But then later when he's talking to that ghost, he goes, I've seen you before. Yeah. And he goes, no, I saw you. You were in the paper. I saw you. You and your blah, blah, blah. And you killed everybody. Do you think maybe he knew about that before coming here? Oh, there's a chance. Yeah, maybe. Definitely a chance. Maybe there's some, uh, or maybe not. I don't know. I just thought it was strange because I was like, hey, after I, when he said it this summer, I'm watching it, when he's like, oh, I've seen you before. I was like, did he? And then I was thinking about that scene. I'm like, yeah, he doesn't seem super surprised when he's telling him that. Have I ever talked happened. to you uh, on, on the podcast specifically about me staying at the Larium Manor in the UP? No. I don't know I don't if I've talked so. about that. Uh, long story short, I'm really not going to go into it too much, but I took a little vacation with my partner a um, couple, like, Memorial Days ago. And it was right after the pandemic, and we went and stayed at the beautiful Larium Manor in Larium, Michigan, in the, the Upper Peninsula. Would definitely recommend. Uh, it's gorgeous. It was some sort of, like, fucking mining, like, baron who the, just the family made a dick load of money before fucking off and uh, leaving the manor uh, abandoned for a while. And then it became, like, a funeral parlor, I guess. And then it was abandoned for a while, and a woman and her husband bought it and turned it into, like, a bed and breakfast in, like, the 80s or 90s or something like that. I could be totally wrong about exactly when that happened, but that's the general history of the place. Went there, had a great time, other than it was just kind of weird the whole time. Um, like I said, it was right after the pandemic, so we were, like, a group of... To talk about the hotel, the hotel, I think, has, like, 40 rooms or something like that. Um, like I said, it just used to be an old mansion. Um, and we were, like, one of, like, three families of guests staying in that whole hotel mm. you know what i mean um and uh yeah the the mining family that built the thing built it in like 1908 and shit like that so it's just you know very much so like the shining just like you know early 20th century just luxury right yeah um so yeah first season that it was open after the pandemic whole town's a ghost town just for a multitude of reasons one of them being that no economy for a myriad reasons uh since mining left the town just no work and like like i said it was after the pandemic not a lot of people around anyways once we got home i found out through fucking uh, <laughs> the craziest happenstance just ended up meeting a stranger 
talking about it a little bit and then they'd be like oh shit where and i was like oh larry i'm whatever and they're like oh my god like two years i stayed at that hotel yeah uh fucking crazy haunted right and i was like uh I don't know. yeah i assumed probably because it used to be like a funeral probably and they were like no because of the murders that happened there and i was like what and she was like you didn't know that like it's like really famous for that and like you know, i googled it and yeah i guess there was a man who ran the funeral parlor named maynard and he took care of what the so these this the newspaper's words his um invalid wife apparently she was a alcoholic to the point of being deemed invalid um and his grandson who had been abandoned by his uh, like the maynard's daughter um it, their family just went off to like africa or something like that and abandoned the boy the band the boy had been abandoned after he survived some kind of fire and he was just burned all over his body and uh, just, yeah, Maynard frequently had to drive all the way from Larium. This is like a seven-hour drive down to Ann Arbor to get very specific like skin treatments for him and shit like that. Had to take care of the parlor by himself because his wife is not able to work or whatever. Then found out that he was terminally ill and, yeah, just kind of went crazy and was like, I'm going to take out my wife and kid on my way out uh, because they're not going to be able to survive in society without me. So, yeah, just killed himself, killed his wife, and killed his kid in the fucking house. So you stayed at a shining. And then guess what? Guess where the funeral for all of them happened? In the house, it's a funeral parlor. Fuck. Yeah. Now, this is the point where I go off the rails. I don't really think this is that scary. I wasn't scared in the time. I'm just relaying information. The last night that I was in town, the way that the room was set up was that there was like a door to the hallway, um, both in my room and in the bathroom. On my side of the room, there was also a door into the bathroom where I could see the door to the hallway as well. And both of those doors had like old principal office, kind of like stained, yeah. not stained, but like glass where you can't really see like through it. Like a frosted glass kind of. Yeah, frosted almost, but still clear, just wavy. Ooh, I don't know what the fuck that's called. But anyways, so to save on money every night, the owner, the innkeeper, should come around and like turn off all the hall lights. Mm-hmm. For some reason, the last night that I was in town, she didn't, and I woke up probably, I don't know, this sounds cliche, but like three or four in the morning. And I was just laying there, I couldn't sleep, and I noticed that the lights were still on in the hall or whatever, and in the bathroom window specifically, over the course of maybe like five minutes, it looked like something walked past it. <laughs> and then like a little while later, it looked like something else walked past it. <laughs> and then a little while later, it looked like something else walked past it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just over the course of like five minutes. I know nobody was up because I couldn't hear anybody walking around. And, like, I didn't actually see the figure of a body. It just, like, got dimmer for a second. You know, and I was like, huh, yeah. what? You know? Like I said, off the rails, three dead bodies. That happened three times. Coincidence. Coincidence. But anyways. All I remember from that story, I guess yeah. I remember you going up there and you tell me about it. I vaguely remember it being haunted. Yeah. But all I remember is, because I, I think about it, like, once a month <laughs> from the story. Yeah. Is you tell me about that place and about the frosted glass and being able to see in the bathroom and you said, quote, yeah, and so you can just see my pink blobby body doing naked poopies. <laughs> so anyways, the show. <laughs> so anyway, Jack's naked taking a big blobby poop or whatever. Uh, uh, I can't remember the last thing we were saying about this. No, that's okay. Uh, let's just talk about some of the big spookies. Um, one of the big spooky is, uh, yeah, the bar scene, which is just fantastic. Jack Nicholson acts the hell out of that, where he's sitting at the bar drinking. Good. Um, and like we said a second ago, Wendy comes in just distraught. Shelley Duvall kills it. Um, Jack kills it with that line. Um, then he goes to look for the woman, 
And that scene is so great to me. It's like slow and dreamy and the woman gets out of the bathtub and, um, you know, she's beautiful or whatever. And, and Jack's obviously into that and they start making out and stuff like that. And then it's the slow reveal is that she's this old rotting woman. And then you get those just creepy surreal scenes where like it keeps cutting back to like her slowly rising her body out of the water mm-hmm. and then her slowly like walking towards Jack, just kind of laughing and stuff. And yeah, like I said, it's like Twin Peaks. It's like the Evil Dead. It's like out of time. It's just something that's like, ugh. Also, God. I love that that room looks insane compared to theirs. Yeah. Like just how it's decorated and how everything's set up. It looks n- absolutely nothing like their room. Yeah, they're definitely staying in like what looks like almost like servants' quarters compared yeah. to like a nice like luxury room yeah, that yeah. is 237. Which is an interesting choice when you have your pick of the... Or maybe it was mandated what room they stayed in. Yeah. But also you don't have to listen to that. I mean... Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, there's an interesting observation. Yeah. We also had a big conversation about full frontal nudity. Yeah. Don't have to have it here. Just bring it up. No. Um, Was there something you wanted to bring up, though? Yes, I think the first spooky that happens in this movie that gets me every time I watch it. Uh Uh-huh. She says, Wendy says something to Jack about, like, oh, we should go for a walk or, or whatever. And he's like, it's one of the many scenes where he's like, can't you see I have to fucking work? Yeah, get he basically says, I fuck, should probably get some work done first. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um, maybe he's not even mean about it. I don't remember. But it cuts to Wendy and um, Danny outside just playing in the snow, running around. And then it's a hard cut to Jack just standing there. And it's the classic Kubrick stare or whatever. But it's so jarring. And it just cuts to him real quick, just standing there with that look on his face. And, like, you don't see any establishing anything. You can just see... Uh, of light against his face that is suggestive of a window yeah so that he's watching them mm-hmm. and it's just this look on his face and it just zooms in on him and then it cuts away it startles me every time <laughs> i see it like it like it doesn't like yeah it's 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 the only i guess like kind of jump scare in this movie yeah. that happens and every time it happens i'm like ah! and yeah. then it's just spooky because mm-hmm. it just stuck on him for a while and then it goes away it's the first it's- scary one of the big movie. ramping ups of like him like losing his edge and maybe the insanity thing and stuff like that is the scene we were talking about just a moment ago where he's writing and pulls the thing out of the whatever. Then he gives that crazy monologue where he's like, don't you see that every time you come in here, you break my train of thought and it takes fucking time to get back to where I was. So anytime I'm in here and you hear me typing or whatever the fuck it is that you hear me doing, you know, whatever, yada, yada, don't come in here kind of a thing. And then he has that line where it's just like so fucking smug where he's like, so get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And it's like, God damn jack yeah. that's not just like yep that's all it is or you know don't you know yeah. you saw it on tv like that's like unhinged behavior that's so uncalled for but it also seems so real like it doesn't even feel that unhinged for him yeah like you almost get the sense that like they've had this conversation yeah. before and yeah. it's just kind of how he regularly yeah. talks to her which He's is insane because all be... she does is come in and like she's just like hey you know i could bring some sandwiches later yeah how's it going you know like it's <laughs> not at all like hey i need you to do some shit and he's like dude i'm trying to fucking work you yeah know? like it's yeah, so she basically just comes in and goes would you like a sandwich <laughs> she goes in and she's like hello i would like to support you yeah yeah <laughs> Um, and yeah, it's just it's, it's it's it feels like a conversation they've had before, but now he's on the up and yeah. up because he's not drinking anymore mm-hmm. and this and that. But yeah, um, and like I said, so many things play into each other so fucking well. Like even Danny coming downstairs bruised and shit like that. 
it's just yeah. a nine, nine, like a 10 out of 10 or a home run where it's just like fuck something spooky's going on but because of the way that these characters are you know written or whatever uh of course she thinks jack did it absolutely they're alone yeah. in this fucking hotel and he has a history of hurting him you yeah know I mean? perfect that's yeah. great you know yeah um i love i was gonna move away go on um and then that drives him to go upstairs and just be like, fuck, I would do anything for a drink right now. And then he has that great hallucination as mm-hmm. far as he's concerned. That's perfect. Um, and it's tarnished because Wendy comes in and he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And you get the sense that half of that frustration is he's like, you just woke me up in the middle of the best dream I've had in the last four months. Like, yeah. what the fuck? You know? <laughs> and then again, it's set up again for him to have a great time. Holy shit, I'm making out with this beautiful fucking woman. And then suddenly she's a gross monster. And it's an unintentional bit of humor as far as I'm concerned. They definitely don't play it up for laughs, but it's so funny to me or whatever. When he comes back to the room and Wendy's like, what, what, what's happened? Who was in there or whatever? She was like, he's like, no, nothing happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I do love the conversation with the bartender. Sorry to like jump back or around or whatever. Yeah. But um, it's just not something, it feels like, it's not something I see a lot in movies or have even really experienced. But it seems to make perfect sense, that conversation with the bartender. Right. When people talk about good bartenders and stuff like that, I assume this is probably what makes a good bartender. Mm-hmm. Is him, Jack is basically having a conversation with himself. Yeah, and, and also the, all he's doing is telling Jack what he wants to hear. Th- like, not even that. Yeah. Like, he's just standing there for most of mm-hmm. it, and every now and then he'll go, Women can't yeah. live with him, can't live without him. Yeah. And he's like, You bet, man. Wise <laughs> words, Lloyd, wise words. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it re- really bummed me out to think about that. Like, oh, yeah, no, this is just what bartenders do. This is just. Yeah, this is just it. This is there's a lot of guys like this just doing this all day. I think it also speaks to um, one of the things I like about this movie, just the kind of like you know, a lot of restraint. I feel like um, I don't have a great example, but I'm just thinking about like the scene where like the maid and the conjuring is like, look what she made me do. Mm-hmm. Like it's so over the top, but the bartender plays it very subdued. He's just like, what will it be today, Jack? Yeah. Like, he's kind of weird and creepy just because he talks kind of slow, but I don't mm-hmm. think they're hamming it up. I think yeah, it's a very, like, yeah. they play it just like, the the spook comes from just it being surreal and uncanny. Like, it seems like a scene that would be happening if he weren't a ghost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so many of the interactions just kind of play like that. Um, and I love how just, like, in those scenes where he's talking to ghosts, just how a little amped up jack nicholson is uh, like he's i don't know for a lack of a better term just chewing up the scenery yeah but all he's really interacting with is the bar and his wallet mm-hmm. in that class where he's just like bah, bah, bah. i'm doing a lot of pantomiming for those who are listening he's like da, da, da. he's pulling out his wallet and he's like da, da, da. and when he puts the money back in his wallet he's like well i'd let you know who's paying for my drinks yeah yeah it's great well that's something i like about jack nicholson's performance in general is that he does get to do whatever the fuck he wants but again it's just also so fucking tasteful because jack nicholson's a master but even when like he's on the staircase with uh wendy and the bat right mm-hmm. and he's like give me the bat give me the bat wendy and he just keeps like jutting his arms out at her yeah and then he also just keeps sticking his tongue out at random intervals and just for yeah. no reason sticking his tongue yeah, out yeah. at her and just watching him do all of those things throughout the whole film 
is just out of this world for some reason. I'm just like, oh God, what a fucking weird guy. This yeah. is so like weird. And again, like dream logic. Like, yeah. like, you know what I mean? I feel like, again, it, it almost makes sense if you were like, yeah, I had the weirdest dream last night that like, I, I was afraid of you for some reason and I was on the stairs and you kept walking towards me. You kept reaching your arms out at me or whatever, but you weren't trying to grab me and you weren't trying to grab the bat. You just kept doing yeah. it and it was really scary. And he's got also his, another just great, like weird delivered line from him yeah. that I love. And like it's the whole scene is so fucked like it takes yeah. so long and it's so tense and he's following her for so long mm-hmm. and she's backing up and god i love i love just everything about her like composure and like just the way she's standing and the way she's holding the bat mm-hmm. it's like wrong yeah like she's holding it in the middle mm-hmm. and like it's such a weird like clearly this makes her feel more safe yeah but just looking at her just little wendy mm-hmm. with that bat that's not that's not doing anything for yeah it. it almost gives you the feeling of like when you're in a dream and you're like your punches don't exactly yeah, yeah 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 but then it works she does hit him but he falls down the stairs yeah, it does but work. just her even like kind of hunched over like swinging at him with the bat up mm-hmm. the stairs and stuff like that it's great I love and it. like you said a second ago it almost makes sense that she doesn't like immediately like uh totally flee or like flip shit and stuff like that again that almost seems like an interaction they could have had any time yeah because of who jack nicholson is mm-hmm. you know what I mean? um but I, yeah, no, I love when uh, uh, back to weird lines or weird delivery from Jack Nicholson. I love when she's she's backing up and she's like, "I just I want to go back to my room. I sh- I just need to think about some stuff." And he's like, "You've been thinking your whole fucking life. What are a few more minutes gonna do to you?" I know. I love when he's like, "What are a few more minutes gonna do for you now?" Like yeah. just the way. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she's backing up and she's like, "Stay away from me. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me." And he's like, "Give me the bat." And she's like, "Don't hurt me." This is the part I love when he goes, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. Yeah. I'm just going to bash them right the fuck in. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't know why the phrasing <laughs> yeah. bash them right the fuck in makes me yeah. chortle a little yeah. bit. It's so good. Um, also interesting. He's always got like a cigarette burning by his like uh, typewriting. So I did never see him smoke a cigarette. Wendy's smoking nonstop. All the time. She's, oh, she's swinging that back and, she, and she's, like, she's like, stay away from me. <laughs> Start me. <laughs> Um, and then the, the other big spook is uh, he hallucinates being back at the bar, except there's a party going on now. And then um, the old caretaker uh, spills a bunch of shit on him because he's a server. And then they go in the bathroom. Phenomenal scene. Phenomenal Target bathroom. Yeah, Target looks like a Target bathroom. And they just have this awkward back and forth the whole time where Jack's doing that thing where he's like, I know something you don't know. And uh, Jeeves is, uh, not Jeeves, but, you know, the servant or whatever. I can't remember. It's Gordy or Gordon or something like Gene? that. Gene? Yeah, Starts with a G for sure. Yeah. Anyways, uh, and he's just totally off put by Jack, and, and you know Jack's like, I've seen you before, and he's like, No, you haven't, and stuff like that. And he's like, Yeah, you used to be the caretaker here. And he's like, Nope, I've never been the caretaker. And he's like, Yeah, you have. He's like, I saw you on the news. And he's like, mm, Yeah. And he's like, Yeah, yeah. You chopped up your wife and your two girls, whatever. And he's like, I have no recollection of that. And whatever. He's like, oh, of course you did. Yeah, you lost it and stuff like that. And then he eventually breaks. And he's like, but you've always been the caretaker. And I've always been the servant and stuff like that. And just using those vague turbans. Like yeah. saying like, I know I know he doesn't say the servant, but like whatever, like the help or whatever he says. Just like being like, you're the caretaker. I'm the servant. It almost seems like it's like this play that they put on, which again plays into that thing. Like I said, of the like the echo. Yeah, the 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 residue, like um, you know, that's that's an analogy that people frequently use for ghosts is that they're trapped in the most traumatic moment of their life, or whatever, and they just yeah. have to live that on repeat. And in that sense, you play a part, like you are the character, yeah. character, you know. And so that just plays into that thing, and it's just so unsettling, such an unsettling. Yeah, scene. it's very. Uns- you're right, and I love I love him being like, no, I don't, 
I don't know you. And I and don't he drops know what it you're eventually. talking about. Yeah. But like, oh. like Jack Nicholson doesn't even say anything. Yeah, he just he's just cold stares the whole time, like this, like yeah. Oh, no, you but, trapped the you trapped them up. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah. It, there's nothing specifically that Jack Nicholson says to him. I think he just goes, "Your son is trying to contact somebody to come to the hotel." Yeah, and then they say the well, N word back and forth like six times. They do say the N word. I this is something I frequently forget about this film. It's just like Shaun of the Dead. I absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I always forget um, that aspect of the ghosts being trapped in 1921 or whatever. You hit the first N-word, and you're like, whoa. Forgot and, that one. And then Jack says it, and you're like, whoa. Yeah, while you're... In the, forgot you're, that one. You don't even have the last, oh, out from the first whoa, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Um, So that happens. Yeah, but... Yes, okay. They, yeah, they say the N-word a bunch. And then that guy but, goes, like, and I had to correct my girls. And then I had to correct my wife. And you're like, God damn. It's, again, just more of that, like, dream logic where he's just like, no, no, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Your yeah. son's trying to uh, get somebody here. And I killed my I killed my wife and daughter. Yeah. Uh, it's great. I just, it's, yeah, like, so much. I'll go back to this. Keep saying what you're saying. Say more. Talk oh, I don't know if I have podcast. more. I was just going to say, uh, what was I going to say next? We're running through the spookies. Yeah. Well, the, the 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 specifically about the correct thing. There was another spooky. What's another spooky? The only other big spook in that category I can think of for me. I've always loved this scene. It almost could be a painting in my house. I know it's fucking gross, or whatever. Uh, to a degree, but like, yeah, just when Wendy's running through the hotel and she looks in and she sees, uh, the dog with mm-hmm. a, his ass flap down. Uh, pretty clearly, I would say blowing a businessman <laughs> yeah um full-grown man dressed like a dog blowing a businessman here's something that ties into the cold open i didn't know furries went back that far oh that was a current thing that we were doing there's all the scientology yeah yeah that we were freaking you know that we we're just getting our freak on a little bit but no i guess we always been getting freaky yes we have yeah we've always been we I had a big... I we, had a, you and I have been getting... Yeah. I had a big argument with someone I worked the other day, and I found myself defending furries very vehemently. Yeah? Yeah, do what you like. I got no problem mm-hmm. with furries. And someone I worked was like, that's just gross. Like, yeah. Why would you do that? And I was like, and as nicely as possible, I was like, fuck off. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, just fuck off. Like, I was yeah. trying to just reiterate that over, over and over again. And yeah. I was just like, I eat shit i don't know what your problem is just people it's not a sexual thing it definitely can be but uh people uh, feel more comfortable and like themselves in a big cartoon dog costume (laughs) fucking fuck off i don't know what to say to you yeah um so this podcast is pro phrase what we're getting at if all day and all night there you go is that what it's called I don't know. I think when they... I think I've heard the term yif before, yeah. I think that means when they, they, fuck, when they fuck. Damn Bush is yiffing at me again. <laughs> um, hold on, I gotta Google... Okay, I'm gonna open up incognito tab and Google yiffing, because I gotta know what that means. <laughs> it's gotta be sniffing. Yif. Yif is a slang term used in the furry community to refer to pornographic content. It's considered a tongue-in-cheek term... In the furry fandom, the term is also used as a way to insult members of the furry fandom, such as the phrase, yiff in hell. 
I'm going to start saying that from now on. If and hell. Oof. Um, so, yeah, anyways, other than that, I can't think of any, uh, like, huge spookies other than at this the point. Elevator. What's that? The elevator. Like, you mean, like, the just the blood? Yeah. That's a huge spookie. Um... <laughs> But the, uh, the, the, the at that point the conversation in the in the bathroom seems to when Jack figures out like okay I gotta kill Wendy and Danny, mm-hmm. so from then on you get the you know basically what I'll refer to as the chase, um, great, uh, love you know little things like Danny hiding in the little service, you know waiter yeah. tray thing or whatever uh, cart dumb waiter yeah the dumb waiter uh, you get the very iconic scene where Wendy is held up in the in the bathroom. Um, she throws them out the window. Yeah. yeah. Um, couple of things. One, there's great footage of uh, Jack Nicholson getting into character for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Does he need to? Does it come off as like a little like, oh, he's hamming it up? Sure. But also, like I was thinking about it because it's going to be the most pretentious thing I've ever said. I've acted in like short films before. And honestly, like when you're doing something like over the top like that, like I feel like it would help you be able to get over the nerves part if you just start making an ass of yourself then. Yeah. And just going for it because you're like, I'm about to go for it and I don't want to get self-conscious while I'm doing it. So I'm going to start being weird now so everybody gets used to the fact that I'm about to be really weird. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, yeah, that's great. Like he's getting into the, the moment. That's good. Yeah. Right? Letting inhibition go. Uh, and it works because the whole time, like when he's like, and I'll huff and I'll puff. And I'll blow your house in. I'll I like, love that scene's so good. Yeah, and it's so you've seen. I've seen it recreated a million times. We all yeah. have, but it's so good, and it gets me. And I'm just in that trance of this movie. Yeah, and then when he pops his head through and goes, "Here's Johnny," it doesn't I, even break. No, it breaks. For oh, me it breaks. You? It just like yanks me out. And I go, oh, really? Oh, that's crazy. And I have to shake it off for a second, <laughs> and then I'm back. Because I was gonna say, like, I was gonna say, as far as my experience goes, it almost seems like a moment that should be like Chucky and Child's Play, making like a joke or something like that. But for some reason, I just like, yeah, it almost comes off more so like him playing with Wendy. Like, it's good. It's, just, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's. I think it's on par with the huff and puff. It'll blow yeah. the store down. Yeah. And just be just doing a Johnny Carson thing. That's yeah. great. That's awesome. But the yeah. fact that I've seen it one million oh, times yeah. in my life yeah. yanks me straight out of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the thing that I, again, another thing I just totally forget about until it happens. I love that there's like 30 to 45 seconds on screen where just dead ass after that, they start healing Skat Man Crothers, pull up. And so for 45 seconds, the only thing you can hear is just... And it just keeps cutting back and forth between Wendy and Jack as they just stand there frozen by the idea that like, oh shit, there's someone else here. You know what I mean? Because it's kind of like an activity that only can operate when two people are engaged in. As soon as a third person is there, you kind of got to drop the act and like figure out like, uh, oh God, there's another person here now. (laughs) Yeah. It's almost like, it's like mom and dad are fighting and someone knocks at the door. It's like, oh, I don't want anyone else to see this. Oh, cool. This is going to be over. But this is also pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, And it's not over. Scatman Crothers uh, is kind of walking around. He's like, hello. Hello. Which is great. It was something you you were saying um, while we're watching it. Just like probably like the hardest part about writing something is like having everybody do the wrong thing. Yeah. Because in your brain, you're always like, like uh, the moment I was talking about it was like uh, once him and Wendy are like, uh, he's had the nightmare and Wendy's comforted him and then Dana came downstairs and he was hurt or whatever. And they're like back in the room or something like that. And Wendy's like, oh, there's someone else in the whatever. It's somewhere around there where like there's just a clear moment where it's like, okay, everything is like subsided for the most part. And the logical answer here is like, let's just get the fuck out of here. Right. But they don't. Instead, they sit down and Jack says like, 
something about how they can't leave, but he's not being a dick like he is later when he's like, do you have any fucking understanding of what a contractual obligation I yeah. have here? He's not doing that. He just has like a soft thing where he's like, well, we're going to stay one more night, whatever it is, or we'll go in the morning or whatever it is. And yeah, you're right. Like the, the, the hardest part, uh, I, 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 I think is like both from experience and like seeing other people write and hearing other people talk about writing is that, yeah, you have to have people consistently make the wrong decision but as you said it also has to still track because like if someone makes the wrong decision i.e in a horror movie here's the most cliche example when they're like why would you run upstairs instead of run out of the fucking front door it's a perfect example as a writer you need them to go upstairs yeah but it doesn't make sense exactly but if you're a good writer you find a way to make it make sense you know that's why i love when scatman crothers shows up and he's just walking around going hello Hey, is anybody here? And you see Jack, like, hear him and go, oh, no, I got to kill this guy. <laughs> and you're like, fucking, why are you yelling through the hallways? But yeah. also, yeah, that's what you got to do. How are you? Gonna, it's a big, empty hotel. Yeah, you got to get you, someone's attention. You got to get someone's attention. You yeah. got to find these people. That's how you're going to do it. Yeah. That's great. Um, he gets axed immediately right in the chest. It sucks. Sucks. I hate um, Yeah. Scatman Carthers, I can't get over it. Scatman Carthers is so good in this movie. So good in this we movie. We watched part of the making of that yeah. was on the DVD right after this. Uh-huh. There's that scene where they were like, they talk, they're talking to Scatman Carthers. They're like, what's it like working with uh, whatever that boy's name who plays Danny? Yeah. And he's like, it is just a gift to work with all these wonderful people. And he's crying. Yeah, and he literally says, I'll remember this forever. Yeah. Which is such like, a heavy thing to say. He's, he's like, talking if, about the kid and he was like, he reminds me of my son. And it's just a joy to get to spend time with them. Yeah, because yeah. if I'm crying, they are tears of joy. It's like, God damn, yeah. sad, man. But anyways, you know, another thing also is like, uh, this is a little separate. But yeah, there's that nice interaction that Scatman has with that mechanic that he knows. Um, yeah. And that just paints such a rich portrait of like Scatman. And, you know, he talks about being the head chef. And it just, without them saying anything about like how like this job is my life or whatever, you just get this like sense of like their life, their day to day, like how they know each other and stuff like that. Um, great. Anyways, back to the spook. Um, Danny and Wendy will link up, and uh, they run into the maze. No, where does Wendy go during that time? Don't they link up for a second? Or is it, oh, it's not until after Danny goes into the maze that they link up, right? Wendy and Danny. Danny comes out of the maze, so that's when they link up. Yeah, but before that, they don't link up. I don't know where Wendy's at during this time. But anyways. I think she's just running around the hotel seeing the dog blow a guy and the blood come out. Oh, yeah, 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 and finding the dead body and stuff like that. Um, it's also worth mentioning that Jack, you know, uh, fucked up the radio and the, 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 the snowplow classic, yeah. classic spooky I movie love, stuff. Love, um, I was thinking about, it. this is one of the things that I was telling you earlier. I was like, I had so much to talk about and I forgot about at all of it. I remember this one. I love when she locks him in the freezer and he's in there and you get that great shot from underneath him and he's up against the door and he's like, he's like mad. He's like, you gotta fucking let me out of here. And then he gets, you know, call me. He's like, oh, Wendy, you, you hurt me real bad. I think I, I need a doctor. I think I need a doctor. Um, I love while he's doing all of that. And, like, you can even see it on his face where he gets, like, calm and, like, sympathetic. And, like, oh, God, I need whoever. He's still, while he's doing it, he still has one hand on the door handle and the other side of the door. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, she's going to open this door. Yeah, I'm just going to fucking ram her. Like, even yeah. while he's, like, 
quiet and calm. It's so good. Like he's yeah. just like I'm, he's just I'm so fucking ready. Yeah. It's so good. He also reminded me that the ghost lets him out of the fucking thing. Oh yeah, that's right. The ghost lets him out. Um, because he wakes up after sleeping on like a fucking sack of flour or whatever, and there's just the like Oreos, Oreos and shit and, and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> which is so funny to me because I love that idea that he's a psychopathic killer that's about to kill his fucking family. He's gone fucking insane. He's talking to ghosts, and ghosts are making sense to him. On top of that, yeah. And uh, then he's almost got to kill his wife, and then his wife locks him in the fucking whatever, and he's just like, no, well, I guess I'll take a little nap. Yeah, I love. But first, I think I'm a little hungry. I'm gonna uh, look at uh, Oreos, and he just smashes <laughs> out on Oreos and falls asleep <laughs> on a sack of flour. Yeah, um, it's something I see all the time when people like talk about like the mysteries of this movie. It's just like, well, how did Jack get out of the freezer? What? Do you, how? How would that have happened? Ghosts. Ghosts. It's a fucking ghost. There's a ghost seller at this place. That's the one thing that makes it makes me less. It makes me more upset than the the Minotaur poster. <laughs> but yeah, as you were saying, there's a lot of little things inside of this. Uh, one that you noticed is like when he goes on the Scatman goes into the walk-in cooler. Uh, then the shot of him leaving it, like the doors on the wrong side or whatever, the handle or whatever. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. that's the thing I've been meaning to bring up. Yeah, but I keep like because I was going to save it for the end. Yeah, I'll talk about it now. Yeah. No, fuck it. I'll save it still. All right, save it. Back in the bank. Uh, yeah, they go into the maze. Uh, Danny has that great idea to start backtracking his steps and then, you know, hop over to the mm-hmm. side and brush up all his steps so he can't see it and then run off. And obviously, Jack gets stuck in the maze and dies frostbitten and the whatever. And Wendy and Danny are fine. The one thing I don't like about the movie is what? the dead frozen Jack Nicholson looks just a little off to me and it takes me out. I think it's because he's like cross-eyed it almost comes off like like a comedy bit that he's a little cross-eyed but i get yeah. you um I, yeah and that's such a like a i love the mixed bag of an ending because danny and wendy are fine and they've gotten away and in a sense they've broken the routine they've broken the mm-hmm. loop so does that mean they're fine or is this damned to happen over and over and over and over and over again we gotta watch doctor sleep to find <laughs> out is that really something that gets addressed? I got no idea. Okay, because I didn't Danny's know. Danny's the main character of it. I, I, I've never heard anyone talk about this aspect of it, but just watching it this time, you know, I was thinking like, well, they kind of break the loop, so I think they might be actually free. Because at first I was like, oh, that's bittersweet because it's going to keep happening and again. But I, I, I would say personally, I feel like they broke the loop and it's done for them. Yeah. That's what I feel like. Yeah. Because it doesn't match the script of what's happened yes. a million times to this yes. point. Then you get that great scene where it just ends with the shot of, you know, that you've always been here. The photographic evidence of the you've always been here. Yeah, I love that absolutely yeah. disgustingly long shot. Yeah. Pushing down the hallway and that old like 20s music playing yeah. and then it closes in on the picture and yeah. July, yeah. July 4th, 2020, mm. 1921, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I would say perhaps the only thing I don't like is when Wendy sees the hotel covered in comical amounts of cobweb and bones ever skeletons ever i don't like that shot feels a little goosebumpsy yeah yeah you could cut that and this movie would be the better for it but it's also not a hindrance yeah 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 um do anything else no i think it's time for you to take that out of the vault yeah i just whip it out boy it's just uh uh i just i just love this movie um it's so uh, we we made the joke a thousand times while watching it. Uh, this is the first day twenty four film. Yeah, like every astronomically influential. Yeah, yeah. Every good movie that I see that I like yeah. is just is just this. Yeah, kind of doing what The Shining did. Like uh, almost any a twenty four movie you've seen, it's tapping into this like weird surreal. Like what do they mean? Vagary, but yeah. also it's loosely makes sense. Like yeah. Um and like I'm sure, 
I'm sure this movie has to has to be taking something from somewhere else. Yeah. Like this movie has to be inspired by something somewhere. Mm. But from my knowledge and what I know, most things that I like, uh-huh. like film wise, like modern movies or Twin Peaks, just all feel like they come from here. Yeah. And then also has that added layer of that. 70s 80s sheen of a movie over it uh-huh. so it just feels so much cooler yeah. <laughs> um, if i'm being honest yeah um and i hate that about my lizard brain like i, I really do yeah. look at a lot of modern movies and i'm like i just can't get into it because of this guy's haircut and the fucking shirt that guy's wearing and just how crisp all this is yeah. like it just yeah it that. looks too much like my like not even mine but just like an h&m commercial it kind of yeah. looks you know like it looks gappy it looks like something from the gap and it just reeks of late abs- aughts yeah, teens I get that, yeah. general like kind of corporate like this is what a man is or this is what a woman is like yeah, yeah. and it, it goes back to what you were saying about um scat man talking to the guy at the gas station it's yeah. like yeah you just don't get a lot of scenes in movies nowadays of just blue collar workers doing stuff yeah it's or even like, people going to the gas station and talking to the clerk or whatever you know there's like a lot of just little things mm-hmm. that like make sense that they're not in movies anymore because it's not true to life but it's almost to the point where like well what does modern life look like i guess i still think modern life looks like for a lot of people working at a gas station it does but and what that's, you see in yes. movies now modern life is silicon valley i guess yeah and just we had that conversation like that. too yeah yeah that's yeah. the thing is like i think it's not true to enough lives to have all of your main characters be like uh well actually i'm uh, trying to develop a new engine sound for electric cars and like oh i work for home uh, you know like there's yeah. a lot of that in Whereas, your comedy movie one person at least is developing an app yeah exactly um but yeah there's something so tactile about this and that's one of the thing the reasons why i think like you know things like this are so endearing or enduring rather um and I think that's one of the reasons why you see things like uh, Stranger Things doing so well, or even a lot of movies yeah. try to do that thing where they like try to have like an older feel to them. And I think that's why, because it's more tactile. It feels a little more true to life. It's almost like fable stuff, where like you can relate to it better than. But I would also these love, sort of like modern takes on life. I feel like you could do that in the year twenty twenty two. Just make it just uh, just normal people. Yeah. Just nice, good old fashioned folk. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, everything everywhere all at once is a great example. There's yeah. just people who own a laundromat. Yeah. That's all they do. They own a laundromat. It's on the app in sight in that movie. And they wear normal clothes that look like clothes I see people wearing. Yeah. You know, and they have a dirty house that looks they like the dirty the houses I've seen. Fucking IRS, and they talk to what's her face, and she's yeah. a woman I've seen at a million different government buildings mm-hmm. I've been to. It's That's great. one of the things I love about it. It's perfect. Yeah. So it does happen. I'm not just shitting on modern movies exactly. in general. I'm just saying that there's a lot of just that thing where like everything's like overly clean, and everybody's yeah. got like yeah. a nice cut beard and they're wearing like a v-neck that's also striped jack nicholson of this is losing his fucking hair shelly teeth are kind of all over the place it's great i love it. i love that too i love uh you know of course there's always been that thing where at the top of the top you know your movie stars are just fucking gorgeous but it seems like throughout the 70s to the 90s they were just yeah. like yeah danny danny devito yeah you can be one of the greatest yeah, actors I was of all thinking time. About, jack nicholson you can be one of the greatest i was thinking about well, I, when I was watching robocop a couple of months ago yeah and um oh can't think of his name curtis the bad guy in robocop the dad from that 70s yeah. show I, I i was like put ugly people in movies mm-hmm. I love looking at this guy like I, like looking at pretty people on the screen it's nice yeah but yeah. when I see a dude that looks like 
Red Foreman. I'm yeah. like, God. Even Adam Driver is a good example. Yeah. He I'm looks like, interesting. He's not I, ugly. I know a lot of people always say, like, oh, Adam Driver is like ugly or whatever. I'm like, no, he's not. He just looks he's just like a, a person, like a fucking person. Yeah. It's just like, but I, I mean, but he's also on the side of what I'm talking about, where he's like, for better or worse, striking. Like, yeah. I. I want to look at Can't Adam Driver. Can't take my eyes yeah. off this wonky dude. Like, for example, I don't mean this in like a uh, a mean way. Uh, Chris Evans seems like a really cool guy. Super nice guy. Mm-hmm. But like when I see him in a movie, I'm always like, that's a, that's a, too perfect. That's a He's fool. too perfect looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like someone carved him. He's fucking gorgeous for sure. He is a golden retriever of a man. Yeah. yeah. But I don't buy him in any role other than Captain America. He can't be anything less than a fucking guy. I highly disagree with that. I think he's okay. pretty good at everything that he's in. No, I'm not saying he's bad. No, I know. But I'm not saying I, he's bad. I'm just saying like mean, his like, build is like I, I I don't buy him as just no. A guy. I get what you mean. He's yeah. one of those guys where that's his essence is like yeah. a football player yeah. soldier guy. His essence is definitely a fucking movie star. But when I for see, sure yeah. But when I see he's almost 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 almost. A Brad Pitt type, uh-huh. where it's like you're a really good character actor yeah. in a leading man's body, mm-hmm. and I feel bad for you because I think he's a re- him and Brad Pitt both are yeah. really, really good actors, and they can do almost anything. Yeah, but they don't really get to because they're mm-hmm. so pretty. I will say that uh, Brad Pitt still has a little bit of that thing where he seems like a guy who you'd be like, "What the fuck are you doing waiting tables here? You're too handsome." Yeah, like there's yeah. something about his ens- essence that also screams. Why are you? Why are you underachieving? That's why I love him so much in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, because there's all that mystique around him of like, did he kill his wife? <laughs> so everyone, like nobody, really likes him, and his there's nowhere for his career to go. So he's just this insanely handsome guy. Yeah, that's just kind of a schlub. Yeah, and can't really get anywhere in Hollywood. Mm. But that's just his lot yeah. in life. It's yeah. great. I love it, and he gets to just be that second banana. Yeah, just character actor that he gets to be. It's great. Yeah. Anyway, I like The Shining. Yeah. Um, well, let's run it down a little more. I would even say, uh, to a little degree, uh, when I see David Cross in movies or TV show, mm-hmm. same thing. Uh, or uh, even Mark Ruffalo, although that's pushing it because he's really fucking handsome. But also, he's just, he's got a little interesting to him. Oh, you know, I, interesting think, I, think, him. I think Mark Ruffalo is a goofy looking dude. Yeah. But it's the perfect amount where he's just a little, a little cutie because yeah. of it. Yeah. Ryan Ryan Reynolds is another example of like that Chris Evans thing where I'm like too handsome, you're really? too perfect. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. There's something about him where I'm like you're too. My like, favorite. It looks like it looks like God was like this is one of my favorites. You know who's the perfect in between? <laughs> yeah. Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Because he Gosling, like it seems like he has a little lazy eye and shit. He absolutely yeah. does. Yeah. 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 And he's yeah. not like I think like the story is he got cast in the Notebook uh-huh. because the director was like. I don't want a handsome man yeah. as this main character. So he cast yeah. Ryan Gosling specifically because he thought he wasn't handsome. Yeah. But he's just got that like charm about mm-hmm. him that he is just a A-list movie star yeah. leading man. But also you can see him in Lars and the Real Girl yeah. or anything that he's in. And you're like, this guy's just a fun, wonky, wonky, likable dude. But he's also an A-list movie yeah. star. He's great. It reminds me of like the roguish slubbery like young Harrison Ford because there was definitely a point where Harrison Ford became a fucking hunk I think Mm -hmm. but especially like the first Star Wars he just kind of looks a little bit like a dude yeah you know what I mean but then like you see pictures of him like not in Star Wars so he's got some stubble yeah and you're like like, holy shit a kind of loose fitting shirt on it's like fuck dude but for some reason he looks a little schlubby in the first Han Solo role yeah Um, but yeah The Shining very good um Oh yeah, and everything goes back to it, and blah blah blah. And I just, I think 
this movie is just untouchable. Yeah. Like, in the way, nothing about it, everything everything about it works Mm. to such a small level that, like, and it's just got this logic about it that even if there are continuity errors, Mm -hmm. like what we were saying, like, I, I noticed while we were watching this, the handle door, the handle on the door of the freezer changes sides over and over and over again. And I don't know if that's on purpose or not. <laughs> yeah. And so there's just, this movie is airtight. And even when there's holes in it like that, maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah. This and Twin Peaks, I'm sure there's other examples. But for some reason, these are two things where like, I have seen footage of people making these shows. And yet when I'm watching it, it seems like something like a tree. Like I, I don't, I don't it feels like nobody made this it just exists yeah. <laughs> yeah. like i said like the shining feels like a dream you have remembered from last night you know yeah um and it just um yeah again just everything i love about everything when it comes to movies is just in this movie yeah um i Yeah, Chris, I think this is my favorite movie. Yeah. I think I've come to that conclusion, yeah. Yeah, I was definitely thinking about that during this. I was like, man, there's some shit that whips ass in the horror genre that I love, but this might be my favorite horror movie because this is something that's just terrifying. Everything about it, whether it's ghosts or not, if you just like turn off that part of your brain that believes in ghosts, even the interaction he's having, if it's a hallucination or if it's a real person or whatever you want to say it is like these are just scary things because they're uncanny and that's the scariest thing yeah and my thing is like i don't even consider this really like when i think about it a horror movie Mm -hmm. like all the stuff we were talking about like yeah that's good that's spooky but like there are horror movies that i watch that i'm like um i'm shaking in my little boots yeah and like days go by and i'm still just a little spooked by it yeah this movie has never scared me yeah you know it's just like i there's some stuff where i'm like yeah that's startling and that's spooky and there's just this overwhelming sense of dread over all of it but yeah i just it just i just love it so much yeah there is a degree to which like it transcends having like the genre thing it's not necessarily a genre picture and it's almost something like the wizard of oz where like jack goes to the land of oz like you're just on a journey it's just a movie yeah it's not just like, oh, yeah, that horror movie, The Shining, or whatever. Like, it's like, this is a movie, you know, that you just put on the shelf next to other movies, not just like, oh, yeah, isn't that like Frankenstein or Friday the 13th? Like, yeah. It's also a movie. Yeah. <coughs> the Shining's a movie. It sure is, Chris. A plus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it the S. <laughs> the S tier? I'm going to give it the S. Yeah. Turns out the S the whole time it always went shining. Yep, the S stands for shining. When, you get, when you're playing a Japanese game and you get an S+, plus, you're getting a shining plus. There you go. All right, that's that, scat man. If you need more soup, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or go to our website, eatingsoupalone.com. And until next time... <laughs>